0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of Just Another Mark, a wrestling podcast. Please keep in mind that there will be cussing on this show. So, if you protect your children from words, do not listen until they aren't around. Also, please keep in mind that the news I'm reporting on in each episode is sourced from around the internet and supposedly true at the time of my recording. Any personal input is just that, my own. And last but not least... Remember that I am human. I'm talking for a long time, and things will potentially be noisy around me, and I may make noises as well. I'm going to try my best not to do it, though. But please, forgive me if it happens. With that said, let's begin the 3K. I just want to take a break from this fantastic wrestling content to let you know that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place, and get this, it's for free, which you can use right from your phone or your computer. Creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds phenomenal. And get this, they'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. We're talking Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many, many more. You can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. You heard me. Anchor will let you make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if I were you, I would go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You heard it. The Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started. Hello there, lads and lasses, and welcome to another episode of Just Another Mark, a wrestling podcast. I am Rob, and thank you for joining me, as I stated earlier. Um, hopefully you found me on Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Breaker, apparently I'm on Apple Podcasts somewhere, and Google Podcasts, and all that good shit, so... You know, hopefully you found me on all those platforms. I thank you for finding me. Um, Hopefully you've downloaded or you've subscribed or you've done something to help your boy out with these numbers. Because that's what the podcast game is all about, right? Numbers and followers and this and that. So, um, hopefully you're following me on Spotify. Hopefully you're listening to me on Anchor and, you know, all that. Uh, I do have this podcast set to monetization, so if you are listening to it on Anchor, help me out with a little bit of fundage. That would be fucking awesome. Either way, (laughs) Um, why don't we go ahead and get into the show, right? Um, Because that's what you're all here for. I am having a little bit of headset issues tonight. For some reason, it keeps, like, crackling in and out. So I'm not quite sure what that's about. I tested it a few times before I started recording, but it seems like it just kind of doesn't want to go away. Hopefully I can stop the um, the cord from crimping too much because that's what it seems like it's happening um there's kind of a big uh big thing going on right here today it has been announced well I I, I can't say today sorry yesterday it was because by the way I'm recording this at one in the morning just so you guys know it was announced that NXT is moving to the USA Network and being expanded to two hours and will be live from 8 to 10 p.m. And it will be on Wednesdays, beginning September eighteenth, 2019, which is just a few days past the Clash of Champions pay-per-view that WWE has coming up. So that means you'll have Clash of Champions, um, then you'll have Raw live, SmackDown Live, because it'll still be on Tuesdays at this point. And then NXT Live. So the WWE will be giving you seven hours of live programming for a few weeks before SmackDown moves on to the Fox Network on October 2nd. So, needless to say, why is this a big deal, you say? Why is this a big deal, you ask? Any of that? Well... As everybody has heard by now, AEW has also announced (laughs) that their weekly show will be on Wednesdays from 8 to 10 p.m. And it will be live. So, we're about to get a Wednesday Night War. As it were. (sighs) With USA being the grounds for NXT and... TNT being the grounds for AEW. It's kind of funny and a bit refreshing that we have this whole dichotomy playing out again. Um AEW is the uh, let, let's let's be honest here. With the people that are behind AEW, the talent that runs AEW And how everything goes, it is literally a spiritual successor to WCW. One of the executive vice presidents is Cody Rhodes, which is Dusty Rhodes' son. So he was one of the main bookers for WCW for a very long time. Um, It's a huge thing because this is the first time we're going to see WWE go against another company. Um, since TNA really failed to go against them back uh, a few years ago. Um, They got killed quite effectively, and they haven't been the same since. So it kind of sucks that the WWE is trying to um, stamp out any legitimate competition before it gets its footing on the ground. They've also recently began doing that with the Madison Square Garden as well, because for years they hadn't run shows at Madison Square Garden, and then when you know New Japan and Ring of Honor and these guys and uh, AAA and all these people wanted to do Madison Square Garden, the WWE's like, ah, we'll uh, we'll come back, baby, baby, come back. It, it it just sucks that Vince McMahon's kind of like that. He can't let any sort of competition happen because I think maybe it's a fear thing that that they're going to end up back where they were on the verge of complete and total bankruptcy. But I don't know. They're they're a huge company now. They're bigger than they ever were or ever dared dream to be. They have no worries when it comes to television wars or anything like that everything's so passé with television anyway that i don't foresee there being even a a type of war as to what we witnessed back in the day <laughs> i sound old of the monday night wars But even back then, those numbers were really and heavily messed up or potentially wrong because of how Nielsen's archaic television rating system was in the late 90s and early 2000s. So honestly, we'll never know the real numbers of the Monday Night Wars. Um, We do effectively know that Vince won, duh, but it wasn't it wasn't as much as you would have really expected it to be Vince just winning outright. TNT was bought by AOL. They didn't want wrestling anymore. Simple as that. They killed the product. Vince McMahon bought it. They were still getting respectable numbers every week. Twos and threes. They were still there. They had viewership. They just couldn't get the shit together in the back. TNT didn't, you know, have any say because of AOL, and there you go. So, either way, now we finally have competition. And it seems like Vince is going to try to stamp them out again. We'll find out in October, because that's when everything happens. Uh, In other news, we have the CFOs, or CFO dollar sign. I don't know how to pronounce them correctly. Apparently, they haven't been working with the WWE for a couple months now. As everybody should know, WWE used to have Jim Johnston on as the music creator for the theme songs of the wrestlers and the events and everything in between. But then they let him go to continue this working relationship with CFOs. And now CFOs are gone. So... In twenty twelve you hire the CFOs to work with Jim Johnston. They outperform Jim Johnston, so you fire Jim Johnston and then you let go of the CFOs. Smart. Real fucking smart. I give you guys a lot of credit. That was that was genius. You know, Jim Johnston was only doing theme songs for over twenty six fucking years, but cool, let him go. That's awesome. Anyway. Apparently the parent company, Arcade Music, is saying that there's still more CFO themes that have been produced and made for WWE that have not been released yet. So, But that doesn't explain why Code Orange did Bray Wyatt's theme. I guess because they didn't have Bray Wyatt's backup theme planned before any of this. Either way... Jericho has been asking for thanks and demanding people thank him. Demanding that people thank the Ayatollah of rock and rolla. Um, nobody's done it. <laughs> Everybody knows by now that I'm a huge Jericho, Mark. Or if you don't, now you do. I've been for plenty of years. Up. Oh. first time I bodily... Things have affected the show. Ten minutes in, nice. I've been a Mark for years. I've been a fan for years. He is one of my favorites of all time. Absolutely adore Jericho. Uh, Yesterday, William Regal had tweeted out that, um, you know, (laughs) Jericho basically said that, that the Wednesday Night Wars are because of him, and everything that happens in wrestling is because of him. And Regal joked about it. Yes, thank you, Jericho. Everything is because of you. Everything is is yours, and you've done this. And, you know, that tongue-in-cheek British way. Very funny. Very good stuff. If you can find it on Twitter, please go ahead and do so. Uh, apparently, a championship feud was nixed, meaning that Shinsuke Nakamura had recorded... Um, Backstage stuff to feud with Ali for the Intercontinental Championship. But as of Tuesday's SmackDown, that seems to be a different direction now. I'm kind of spoiling one of the biggest things that happened in SmackDown this week before I get to SmackTalk, But essentially, um, Shinsuke Nakamura now has a mouthpiece... In Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn was doing some shit with The Miz. Miz got attacked from behind by Shinsuke. And they revealed that they were working together. So, everybody knows that the NXT TakeOver event. Where Shinsuke and Sami went against each other. Was probably one of the best wrestling matches in the last six, seven years, hands down, um, that was the first time you actually heard a a crowd of fans say fight forever, so, yeah, it was that fucking good, um, so now they're with each other, and it appears that Shinsuke and The Miz are now going to be feuding, leading into Clash of Champions, one would suspect, And on more Clash of Champions news, it appears that the WWE is kind of um, messing around with the idea of having the NXT Championship and the NXT UK Championship also being defended on the event. I don't know the truth behind that, but there could be some potential to it, considering it is the Clash of Champions. Uh, do you think WWE realizes that the, the the fucking shortened version is COC? I mean, it's it's cock. Anyway, so there might be two extra championships being defended at Clash of Champions. I really wish they would have gone back to Night of Champions. Either way, uh, we do have some potential King of the Ring spoilers here. I don't know if you're being a stickler for uh, not wanting to know anything when it comes to the King of the Ring, but we do have potential in the winner of the King of the Ring tournament. Um, I'll give you five seconds before I reveal any further. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, potentially Drew McIntyre is going to be the one that is going to be King of the Ring. Um, Oddly enough, in my predictions for the King of the Ring tournament, I had it set to be Drew McIntyre against Andrade at the end. I do believe that those two are the ones that have the biggest rockets kind of shoved up their ass at the moment. On the low-key... So, and I'm not talking about the wrestler or the Marvel character, I think that it's really going to come down to Andrade and Drew McIntyre. Now, in my opinion, I also believe that Andrade is going to win it, but I'm also torn on Drew winning it, so (laughs) it's going to be hard. Um... As everybody should know by now, the finals for the King of the Ring tournament will be taking place at Clash of Champions in just a few weeks on the WWE Network. We've got a lot of Clash of Champions shit going on. And we also have a lot of fucking, like, crazy shit going on that week. Like, the 15th is Clash of Champions. The fucking 16th is Raw. The 17th is SmackDown. The 18th is... You know, NXT Live, like, that's a lot of fucking shit. You're looking at, like, 12 hours in total of WWE programming happening there. Like, ridiculous. Um. Excuse me. Sorry. It happens. We all know. La 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 la. Um, let's, why don't we get over to the TakeOver and. Um, SummerSlam reviews, shall we? I think we shall. (laughs) Okay, so NXT TakeOver Toronto. That was the event. I am going to go right out and say that it was a decent show for me. I enjoyed it. Um, It wasn't the best NXT event or takeover event to me. It it still doesn't hold a candle to New York. New York was the best takeover of 2019 so far. Um, Either way, the event was held on August 10th, 2019 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada at the Scotiabank Arena. The attendance was 13,735. It's actually a pretty good amount of people. Um, And the results of the event were as follows. Um, We don't have any times for these ones because it looks like they were dark matches. Breezango, which is Tyler Breeze and Fandango, defeated the Forgotten Sons, Wesley Blake and Stephen Cutler, in a tag team match. And then we had Jordan Miles defeated Cameron Grimes uh, tournament final of the NXT Breakout Tournament. So Jordan Miles is the NXT Breakout Tournament winner. And then you had the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford defeating the Undisputed Era, which was Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Basically, they retained, I should say, at 16 minutes and 55 seconds. Uh, Io Shirai defeated Candice LeRae by technical submission in a singles match at 15 minutes on the dot. Velveteen Dream retained his NXT North American Championship against Pete Dunn and Roderick Strong in a triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship at 17 minutes and 24 seconds. Um, that's actually the First match of the night that I really paid attention to. Uh, don't get me wrong; I enjoyed the Street Profits and I enjoyed, you know, Candice LeRae and all that. But those first two matches really didn't do anything for me. I, I would I would probably give both of those matches two stars. To be honest with you, um, the Velveteen Dream, Pete Dunroderick Roderick Strong, Triple Threat. I, I think it deserved at least a three and a half. It wasn't. It wasn't that good, you know. For those three, it was what it sh- should have been. No, it was under what it should have been. But it was good. And then you had up oh, another yawn. Oh, I'm getting good at this. It's like every ten minutes. <laughs> and then for the NXT Women's Championship. You had Shayna Baszler retaining against Mia Yim by submission at 14 minutes and 35 seconds. I was okay with this match. I've been watching Mia Yim for a very, very, very long time. Um, glad to see that she's in a capacity that's good. She deserves it 100%. And I just think Shayna and her were not a good combination to go against each other the standout of the match which is sad to say was um the king of bros matt riddle hiding his face as one of the gangsters leading mia yim into the match and he was like crouching down wearing shoes had a hoodie on but his hair was out of the hoodie and he had like this hat on and he had like a mask covering his face but you could still clearly see that it was Matt Riddle. Um and then in a, in a match where I think they tried too hard. Okay? I I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I think they're they're grasping at straws now between these two. And I really think this feud needs to be over. Because unless you do Hell in a Cell, I really don't understand what needs to happen more between them. You've taken the personal shots, you've taken the pro- professional shots, you've taken everything, and it, this felt like the ultimate like end. It was a two out of three falls match for the NXT Championship. Adam Cole baby defeated Johnny gargano two to one to retain his n x t championship at forty six minutes and forty one seconds first match was i think it was I, I okay remind you the stipulation for each fall was a singles match chosen by Cole. The second fall was a street fight chosen by Gargano. And the third fall was a barbed wire steel cage match chosen by NXT general manager William Regal. Now, in that steel cage, there were fire extinguishers, tables, ladders, chairs, this, that, the whole fucking shebang. Wire cutters. (sighs) Everything you can imagine. Alright, and this is why I say it needs to be over. Because you had a regular singles match, then you had a street fight, and then you had Raven's Rules Clockwork Orange fucking match. So, please. (laughs) Please end this. Uh, Again, to me, it wasn't as good as it should have been. I, I honestly would give the the whole event, like a 3.5, if I could honestly really say, which sucks because I really love takeovers. So on to the next event, we have SummerSlam, which goddamn, I was really fucking surprised by. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Um, the date, that it happened on was August eleventh, twenty nineteen. The following day after Takeover Canada, the city was Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It was at the Surprise Scotiabank Bank Arena. Um, sixteen thousand nine hundred and four people in attendance here. Actually, wait a minute. Is that more people in attendance for NXT? No, thirteen thousand seven hundred and thirty-five for NXT. 16,904 for the quote-unquote main roster. Wow, it's a 3,000-person fucking difference. Holy shit. Anyway, the buy rate on that, because it was on pay-per-view, was 19,600. That is holy shit low. But, again, we're in the era of the WWE Network, so you got to think, 19,600 for the buy rate, but you've got 1.5 million WWE Network subscribers. I mean that's like standard numbers. We're not including new subscribers that just wanted to get the event for SummerSlam or whatever have you. You've got 1.5 million subscribers. So and you're looking at 999 per 1.5 million subscribers. You're making bank. Um the event was fucking great. I loved mostly everything about SummerSlam. Mostly. So, we'll get to the kickoff event first. Drew Gulak, who is the WWE Cruiserweight Champion, retained after defeating Oni Lorcan at 8 minutes and 45 seconds. Buddy Murphy defeated Apollo Crews by disqualification. Excuse me, when Eric Rowan came out and beat the shit out of him. Because Buddy Murphy accused Eric Rowan the week previous on SmackDown uh, as the one that tried to run over Roman Reigns two Mondays ago. At that point on Raw, that match was four minutes and twenty seconds. Uh, kickoff match number three was Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross retaining the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship against the Iconics, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, at six minutes and fifteen seconds. Um. As a kickoff show or pre-show would go, i definitely say it was decent. As a kickoff, I would probably give it a three stars. I can't go any higher than that, (laughs) because the crowd was really dead for the cruiserweights, as per usual. I feel bad for those guys, because... They just want to go out there and perform like everybody else, and they get shit on the most. They're always the opening match of the kickoff. There's barely ever anybody in the seats. The people you have clapping, I feel like are doing it just out of pity because they're sitting in their seats. Like, it's it's always kind of a shit show for the kickoffs. Um, as the event goes on kickoff-wise... You start to see more and more people come in, and you know, with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross and the Iconics being the last ones before the main show, it's there to get you hyped up. So, now as the main show gets on, Becky Lynch defeated and retained the WWE, well, defeated Natalia and retained the WWE Raw Women's Championship by submission. Because it was a submission match at 12 minutes and 35 seconds. Pretty decent match overall. Um, I would give it I would give it a 3.5. I'm not going to say it was perfect. But it was good. It was good. Goldberg then defeated Dolph Ziggler in a regular singles match at 1 minute and 50 seconds. The match started off to a holy shit moment when Dolph Ziggler fucking super kicked Goldberg out of nowhere. Which was great. Then did it again. Which was double great. And then he had the spear in the jackhammer when it was over. But then Ziggler, like, goaded Goldberg to come back out, saying that he barely even felt that. He doesn't want to fight him like a man. So Goldberg comes out and spears him again. And Ziggler talks more shit. And he's like, you know, you really don't want to fight like a man. You suck, blah, 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 and spears him the fuck again. But this time he, like, flips inside out. It was great. Um, Then Goldberg just went to the back and that was it. So, uh, for the entertainment value of that match, because it wasn't a fucking wrestling match, it's never a wrestling match when Goldberg gets involved, unless unfortunately you book him against the Undertaker for nine minutes for some reason. <sighs> there we go. <sighs> Almost on cue. Thirty minutes into the show, and I'm and I'm doing that again. I'm going to give that a four, specifically for entertainment value alone. And then you have AJ Styles retaining the United States Championship against Ricochet at 13 minutes. Of course, there was fuckery by the rest of the OC, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows. And, of course, that's why he retained. Duh. Um, for the match itself, I will say Ricochet and AJ continue to innovate when they do go against each other. Um... It was not the best of their encounters, but it was damn good. I will easily give that a three and a half all day. So, there you go. Bailey defeated Ember Moon and retained the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship at 10 minutes even. (sighs) What can I say? When you're the seventh match on the card for a 12-match event, People kind of don't take interest in this, unfortunately. Bailey's always in that position of trying to keep people interested because she's a lovable character. But when you have technically two faces against each other and no feud built up that anybody really cares about, you're going to have a hard time keeping asses in seats at the stadium. And you're going to have a hard time keeping asses and seats at home. I damn well know that I went and took a piss during this match. I got a cup of water, grabbed some snacks. And by the time I came back, the match only had a few minutes left. So, for what I saw, and then again, I went back and watched it, you know, to get a full show review. From what I saw live... I would have given the match like a 2.5, a 2.5. But after I went back and watched it from beginning to end, the beginning of the match started off kind of good. And then, unfortunately, the rest of the match was kind of shit. So, I, I mean, because the first few minutes were good, I will give it a 3. Um hmm. Starting to get tired now. Gotta hurry this up, right? (laughs) Uh, Match number eight of the night. Kevin Owens defeated Shane McMahon at 9 minutes and 20 seconds. Elias was the special guest enforcer on the outside, and had Owens lost, he would have had to have quit the WWE. So much fuckery in that match. So much bullshit. So much uh, what Bruce Prichard would call gaga. I gotta give it a two and a half. I love Owens so much. If I had short hair and trimmed my beard and everything, I would look like Kevin Owens. But I can't... I can't get behind Shane continuing to have more and more TV time. I, it needs to be lessened. It needs to be stopped. I know you're starving for fucking talent right now, but come on, man. Um, And then you had, in my opinion which was the match of the night, (laughs) weirdly enough. Charlotte Flair defeating Trish Stratus by submission at 16 minutes and 40 seconds. Yes, I said Trish Stratus. It is 2019, and Goldberg and Trish Stratus are still wrestling. And Trish Stratus looked damn good. Now, granted, Charlotte carried a decent portion of that match, but Trish really put in work. She put the fucking work in. It was good. It was a great match. And I know Trish said she's done. But damn, it would be great to see those two go against each other again. Um then you had Kofi Kingston. Oh, I give that a 4, definitely a 4. Kofi Kingston technically defeated Randy Orton. And retained his WWE Championship in a double countout at 16 minutes and 45 seconds. The match drug. It was good, but a drug. It's an Orton match. I love Orton. (sighs) But man, it's a chore. The 16 minutes of Charlotte and Trish did not feel like the same 16 minutes for Kofi and Randy. And it was literally only separated by five seconds, sixteen forty for Charlotte and Trish, and uh, sixteen forty-five for Kofi and Randy. Same amount of time, <laughs> completely different like emotions and feelings or whatever towards it. It was it was hard. It was a hard sixteen minutes to get through. And Randy Orton decided that he was going to mess with Kofi's kids and his family and tease them with Kofi, you know, looking like he was going to get arcade would in front of his family and blah, blah, blah. That made Kofi go crazy and he beat the shit out of Orton and neither of them listened to the ten count and they both got double counted out. And then we had... Bray Wyatt defeating regular man Finn Balor, which should have been his demon, but they didn't build the feud properly enough to bring the demon out, which I understand Finn Balor has requested time off from the WWE. It was granted. More than likely, he requested that time off to get married. Don't know for sure, but that's what my guess is. So, needless to say, Finn Balor requested time away, He was granted perfect time to bring out Bray Wyatt as his brand new character, The Fiend, which we have been seeing vignettes of for weeks and weeks and weeks leading up to SummerSlam. They announced that The Fiend was going to be the one wrestling. They announced all that. But then then Finn went away for a few weeks and they didn't let the feud build there wasn't anything going on it was ridiculous it was stupid but the match itself was fantastic simply because we got to see Bray Wyatt's new entrance and that new entrance was amazing it was everything that anybody could probably hope for it to be Bray Wyatt came out with a lantern that was actually... Well, The Fiend came out with a lantern that was actually Bray Wyatt's severed head. And it was perfect. Code Orange redid the theme song. The lights were black and white going in and out. And the strobe lights were happening. It was just... An amazing entrance. Amazing. Just based off of that, I give it a five. Because... That is probably the best entrance in wrestling today. So, yeah, definitely, definitely fantastic job. Um, and then the shock match, the main event match of the night. Seth Rollins defeated Brock Lesnar to become the WWE Universal Champion for the second time at 13 minutes and 25 seconds. So Brock Lesnar was defeated yet again by Seth Rollins. As far as I know, Seth Rollins holds three victories over Brock Lesnar. I don't think Brock Lesnar has ever beaten Seth Rollins. So I know that they had a match at a Royal Rumble Hold on, I'm going to actually look this up. Or was it? It was at a Royal Rumble. It was supposed to be... Seth and Lesnar, if I'm not mistaken. And they put Cena in at the end. Well, like a week or two before. If I'm not mistaken, that's how it happened. I don't remember. But I know that this is the one where Roman Reigns won... Yeah, this was supposed to be the one where it was just those two against each other, but for some reason... um, Okay, Brock Lesnar did win this match against Seth Rollins and John Cena and retained the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. So, when you really want to go by logistics of it, Seth holds more victories over Lesnar than... I think a few people actually, which is weird considering it's Seth, but whatever, have it. I mean, um, the next thing I would like to talk about here is good old, um, raw talk and smack talk, uh, basically at this point, considering nothing good happens on either show. As everybody knows, I combine Raw Talk and Smack Talk together because there's only a few key elements of each show that's good. With that being said, I will say the good points of Raw, which was the reemergence of The Fiend. Now remember, these events were back on August 10th and 11th. August 11th being the uh, WWE pay-per-view of um, SummerSlam. I'm recording this on the 22nd. So, yeah, I'm a little bit late. Why it wasn't on the first episode of Raw after SummerSlam, but he did make a return uh, this week. Last week, I didn't record anything because. Excuse me. I was sick and I couldn't get over it to record. So, that's my apologies on that one. But, um, The Fiend returned, did the Mandible Claw on. Jerry the King Lawler, and took him out. Oh, by the way, um, SummerSlam got a 4.5 from me as my actual rating and review. And then also on Raw, the only other good thing that happened, truly, was that Seth Rollins and um, Braun Sturman became the WWE Raw Tag Team Champions. They took out the good brothers, Gallows and Anderson, and became the Raw Tag Team Champions just a couple weeks before Clash of Champions. So in common WWE fashion, that's going to set up Braun Sturman versus Seth Rollins for the uh, Universal Championship, more than likely. And then on SmackDown, the only real good thing was that Shinsuke and Sammy teamed up, which more than likely in WWE logic will lead to them having a rematch at Clash of Champions, but it won't be anywhere near as good as it was when they first went against each other. Obviously. So, but also there were little things in between, like the King of the Ring started. We had a couple matches on Raw and a couple matches on SmackDown. And then now this week coming, we're going to have a couple more matches on Raw and a couple more matches on SmackDown. My brackets are completely broken. I kind of don't give a fuck about it anymore. I'm mad. But um, I do have, at the end, Drew McIntyre against Andrade, like I said. So hopefully we'll get something good coming at the end of that event. Which, uh, again, I doubt. I really do. Uh, They're probably going to make somebody that nobody wants as King of the Ring And we're going to have to suffer through some stupid... But yeah, that's pretty much all the good shit that happened on Raw and SmackDown this week. Um, I don't think there was anything else good that I can report on. I mean, nothing that was really noteworthy. On the old school review today, I will be discussing No Mercy 2001. Okay, um, very underrated show, very underrated. I'm telling you right now, it gets a four-star before we even go through the review of the matches, or, or I should say the discussion of the matches. Uh, the date was October 21st, 2001, in St. Louis, Missouri, and it was at the Savas Center, and there was 15,640 people in attendance. We do not have the buy rate for this event, unfortunately, in front of us. The results of the matches were as follows. Now, mind you, again, I like this event. There was a lot of talent at the time in this this era, and I loved it. So we had... The APA, which was Bradshaw and Farouk, defeating Chris Canyon and Hugh Morris in a tag team match at 5 minutes and 20 seconds on Sunday Night Heat. Billy Kidman defeated Scotty Tuhati to retain the WCW Cruiserweight Championship at 7 minutes and 53 seconds. Now, what you guys might not remember is that the Alliance and WWE were still going against each other the invasion pay-per-view happened in July of that last of that year. It was horrible um, because they didn't have any of the real WCW stars. But the alliance was formed out of ECW and WCW. So whenever you hear alliance, um, that's what it is. ECW and WCW had formed the alliance to take on the WWF. Um, the Hardy Boys, Jeff and Matt retained the WW- WCW Tag Team Championship against the Hurricane and Lance Storm with Ivory and Molly Holly. They had Alita at 7 minutes and 42 seconds. That match was pretty damn good. Uh, it's still weird to say the Hardy Boys as WCW champions in 2019, but hey, it happened. Um, Easily... Hmm, <laughs> 40 minutes were there. Easily a three and a half star match. Uh, Could potentially be three and three quarter stars match. I I really dug it. Really good. And then you had Test from the Alliance defeating Kane at ten minutes and nine seconds. That match should not have gone ten minutes and nine seconds. Not at all. Give it like five minutes and we were good. Tori Wilson of the WWF defeated Stacy Keebler of the Alliance in a lingerie match at 3 minutes and 8 seconds. Yep. And for some reason, Christian was with the Alliance. I don't remember why, but Edge defeated Christian in a ladder match and captured the WWF Intercontinental Championship at 22 minutes and 16 seconds, which, mind you, I just got done watching that match. At the end of the match, Edge does a one-man concerto on Christian and on the top of a ladder, mind you, and then throws Christian off the ladder and grabs the belt and wins. So I'm watching the next match right now, the Dudley Boys, which was Bubba Ray Dudley and Devon Dudley of The Alliance defeating Big Show and Tajiri and retaining the WWF Tag Team Championships at 9 minutes and 19 seconds. I'm at the part right now where Rhino just came in and speared the fuck out of Big Show. Tajiri's kicking the shit out of uh Devon D- Dudley's head. The referee's not paying attention to the match. And slow one, two and Devon kicks out. But yeah. So as we already know, um the Dudley Boys will win this match. The next match is Undertaker, representing the WWF, defeating Booker T from the Alliance at 13 minutes and 12 seconds. Um, and my match of the night, <laughs> five-star fucking match all the way around, I'm sorry. Chris Jericho, representing the WWF, defeated The Rock, representing the WWF for the WCW Championship. So, Chris Jericho finally had won the big one at 23 minutes and 44 seconds. Fantastic match. Fantastic. Jericho and The Rock always had great chemistry. And as you remember, back in 1999, in August, uh, Jericho had made his debut against The Rock as the Millennium Man, even though Psycho Sid went on to take that moniker for some reason. um, Yeah, great match. Stone Cold Steve Austin of the Alliance defeated Kurt Angle and Rob Van Dam in a triple threat match for the WWF Championship at 15 minutes and 15 seconds. So Stone Cold retained. Um, this was at a point where Rob Van Dam was trying to like uh, get some comeuppance, I guess you could say, and try to you know take over the the Alliance and all that shit. And Stone Cold was a heel, but nobody fucking cared. Because nobody likes Stone Cold as a heel. Um, they like Stone Cold as a tweener, as they like to call it. Which is in-betweener, for those that don't know. And that brings us to the end of our show. The last segment, as I like to call, Rambling with Rob. Mm-mm-mm. Anyway. This isn't going to be a very long ramble. This is actually going to be kind of a short one t b h um i'm noticing some 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 interesting shit happening on raw as well as i i guess I should be noticing some interesting shit happening on raw because Paul Heyman is in charge of the show now, okay mind you I went to a shit ton of e c w recordings in philly, okay i live. An hour away from Philly, where I'm at. Well, now I'm even closer because I'm in a city that connects to Route 55, like right there. I just got to drive right down the road and I'm at Route 55, which takes me to 42, which takes me to 76 and 676 and all that. And I either go over the Ben Franklin Bridge or the Walt Whitman Bridge. Either way, Philly's not that far is what I'm trying to say. So I call this the Heyman effect because I'm seeing on Raw some Heymanisms. okay? Now, you're going to be wondering what those little things are. I'm seeing, like, some different camera tricks. I'm noticing uh, some different ways that promos are cut. I'm noticing different ways that they stare at the camera if they're out there doing their promos in ring. Same way with I notice a little bit more movement and a little bit more intensity if they're backstage doing um, their, their stuff. This is all signs of what Heyman used to do. Like, the camera angles of the people walking and giving a promo, that's what was done in ECW. Them up against a wall or something, obviously done in ECW. And even having the Street Profits come out and hype up the show, that was done in ECW with Public Enemy, who were both kind of like the same gimmick. I've been wanting to say something about that for a while but I I didn't know if I didn't know if Street Profits were going to be on the show for a long time so I just kind of didn't say anything. I just kind of kept it to myself even at Wrestling Empire, which now that I've made this podcast I can freely discuss about. But like I said, uh, it, it it's boggling how there's so many similarities that are happening now, especially if you're a longtime ECW fan or longtime ECW follower or watcher or whatever you want to call yourself. It's showing. The Heyman effect is showing. I'm noticing it, and if I'm noticing it, I know a lot of other longtime ECW fans that actually watch wrestling today. Are noticing it. At least I would hope. Unless they're just so desensitized. That they don't even give a fuck. Um, Needless to say. Needless to say. Damn this Undertaker and uh, Booker T match. Started out pretty fucking intense. Needless to say. I, I want to enjoy wrestling more. I do. I do. And And you had the finals of um. What do you want to call it? The G1. Um, Ibushi won that. Fantastic, by the way. Uh, so now he gets to go against Okada at the Tokyo Dome for uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14, which January 4th. I'll be wide awake watching. Um. Yeah. You have a lot going on in wrestling right now. I say this every week. I just really want something to stand out and grasp me. I want that entertainment factor. I want that wrestling factor. I want something to just keep a hold of me. And make me go, ooh baby, I love you. But I'm not seeing it right now. And we're not going to probably see it proper until October. When AEW comes to town. And starts having their own weekly show, right? So... Either way, I'm not going to draw this out. I'm not going to make it some huge fucking ending. Uh, Continue to support me, please. Spotify for downloads. Anchor for, um, or not downloads, but streaming. Anchor for downloads or streaming, following, all that. Follow my profile. Follow my show. Please donate if you can. Uh, Hopefully in the next couple weeks I'll have new intro and outro, outro music. I might. I might. Fingers crossed on that. Also, don't forget the big F and Joe interview will be coming up shortly. Probably either maybe next week or the week after. Um, excuse me. I'm giving you that nice little thing on there. So, I think the phrase that I'm going to use from now on is see you on the other side of an elbow drop. <laughs> um, I think it's a cool phrase. I'm sorry. Leave me alone. And it's wrestling related. So, fuck off. Anyway... I'm Rob. Thank you for listening to Just Another Mark, a wrestling podcast. And I'll be seeing you on the other side of an elbow drop. Ding, ding, ding. I really should probably put like a ding, ding,